Right, yep, Papa Swag Daddy Hayes. I still don't know that I'm ever going to get over that, but uh, thanks, Onyx, I guess. Um, how y'all doing tonight? I, I was just louder than you. That's a problem. I don't care if I have a mic. There's 200 of you. How y'all doing tonight? Good. Makes me feel better about myself. That's good. Okay, so glad you're here. Uh, we are in the second week, the final week of this, se- uh, this series called Seasons, as we're looking at the seasons of the soul. And so last week we started it, and we're going to jump right in as a little bit of a recap so you can understand what in the world I mean. Now, when I say seasons, what I mean is, let's see if I can do it again. Not as good, but it's okay. There are four seasons. Is that right? Did like 10 of you go to school? Okay. There are four seasons, right? Good. Not the hotel because it's really expensive. So there are four seasons. We have spring we have summer, we have, no, listen, don't, listen, listen, not again. We have fall, you pretty poetic boy calling it autumn, and then we have winter. And as we talked about last week, we have the warm seasons and we have the cold seasons. And when we talked about last week of the warm seasons is that spring has a direction. Every season has a direction. And spring is where new things occur, where new life begins, where you get breath, where things grow, right? And this is where everything's fertile. And the movement of spring is up. Things grow in spring. And then you go to summer where it's even warmer and the movement of summer is outward. If this is upward, it would be outward. And the reason why is because your faith is in the full radiance of what it should be. It's easy to worship. It's easy to get in the Bible. You desire to show up like you want to worship seven days a week because we don't do it enough. So you need to go create your own thing. It's summer. It's easy for you. And everyone can see it. When you're in summer, you get to show the world what hope looks like because you're living it out. So we have spring. We have summer. The two warm seasons. And tonight, we're going to step into the colder seasons. Tonight, what we're going to talk about is fall and winter. So let's first talk about fall. I said we're jumping right in. Now, fall, the direction of fall, if every season has a direction, the direction of fall is downward. Get it? Because you're falling down? It makes sense. You can remember it. It's easy. The direction of fall is down. And so if in spring, things go to spring to grow, and then in summer, things end up in summer exploding become even greater. Things are easy and fun and happy in summer. In fall, things start to sour. Things start to be a little bit more difficult. Maybe the blessing that you feel like you experienced in summer starts to take a little bit of a nosedive, and it's just not as easy. It's not as easy to worship. It's not as easy to read your Bible. It's not as easy to connect, and for some reason, there's just some kind of tension in your life And maybe one of the main reasons that we see fall enter into our lives is through relationships. Because relationships in fall start to sour a little bit. Now, I don't know about you, um, how many people, let's just make me feel better about myself, how many people in the room have ever been broken up with? All right, we're all sad pandas now, that's good, okay. How many of you have ever broken up with somebody? All right, you jerks. Let's just call it what it is, you horrible. How many of you enjoyed breaking up with somebody? Don't let, hey, listen, the moment you raise your hand, everyone else of the opposite sex is going to be like, mm, staying away from that, okay? <laughs> so most of us in the room have probably experienced some sense of a breakup. The main way in my life how I've experienced fall entering was through a breakup. 
I am really weird, and then I could tell you every girl I've probably ever dated since I was in, I don't know, pre-K. Her name was Amber. She was a ginger, and it was awesome, okay? We watched Wild and Crazy Kids together. None of you know what that is, because I'm really old. But you do? Yeah. I don't, that doesn't make sense. You're, you're lying to me, aren't you? That's good. So am I. The beard gives it away. So I remember Amber when I was four, and I remember Carmen when I was seven, and I remember Julie when I was 12, and I remember Lindsay when I was 12. Like, I'm telling you, I could go on and on and on for all, like, of two more girls, because I didn't have a lot of girlfriends. But of all the girls I ever dated, I broke up with one of them. I, I was on the opposite end. So all you people that raised your hand and said you've broken up with someone before, I'm going to throw something at you after the service because you suck. But in all reality, whenever I was broken up with, what would happen for me, and what I want you to hear is, in my immaturity, I would internalize it and I would become an emotional wreck. And I'd totally freak out and try to figure out some way to fix the problem or make the girl like me again. Or if I figured out she wasn't going to like me again because she's dumb, then I'm going to go find someone else to like me. And it was this perpetual cycle that I, was, I would always go through in my relationships. And every time the breakup occurred, fall would enter. Because the, the momentum, the direction of fall is downward. Whenever you get into fall, things start to take a downward turn. And whenever they do, then eventually they come to winter. And when things get to winter, they go there to die. Things go to winter to die. The leaves have fully fallen off the trees. It is cold. It is not easy. It is difficult to read your Bible. There are no relationships that have a lot of blessing. You don't feel emotive. You don't feel incredibly excited about coming to church or being a friend or doing anything. This is where depression hits. This is where sickness comes in. This is where breakups completely fall apart. This is where you feel like you're losing, is when you're in winter. Now, there's a danger when you get into these colder seasons. So we talked about last week, there's a danger to every season, and there's something you need to know that you can do in every season. There's a truth. There's a danger, and there's a truth. And what I want you to know is that the danger of fall and the danger of winter is basically the same thing. And the danger when you get to these seasons, when this happens in your life, because this is not just weather, right? This, this is your soul. These are the seasons that your soul, your faith, your spirit, this is the seasons, these are the seasons you're going to go through. And when you get to the colder seasons, the danger is that you think that God is less loving because you're in a colder season. See, the danger is that you could think, oh, well, everything's going bad, and oh, things are starting to die in my world. God must not love me. God's blessing must not be on me. God's kindness must have diminished. See, that's the danger that we can fall into. And it's a scary place to be. And actually, we know that this is dangerous because of a story we see in the Bible. See, it's not just us that goes through this. We see the exact same things happening in the Bible. And the first place, not the first, that would be a lie. Uh, One of the first places that we see this happen is in the New Testament in the book of Matthew with a guy named Peter. How many of you ever heard of Peter before? Peter, he was the man. He was the rock that Jesus built the church upon. And Peter went through the seasons. And so what I want us to do is I want us to take a look in Matthew chapter 16. 
to get a grasp of what Peter went through and how he shows us what fall and winter look like and the danger of those. They're going to put it up on the screen as I read it. You can follow along with the Bible under your chair or your own Bible if you want to. They're also going to put it on the screen. And we're going to go Matthew chapter 16. It's the first book of the New Testament, starting in verse 13. Right where it says, Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ, and a lot of them at the top. Starting in verse 13, it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man, that Jesus, is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elisha. And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. That means Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Peter, guess what? I'm going to do something crazy, and it's going to start with you. You know what that is to me? When Jesus says, I'm going to do something through you, and it's going to be incredible, that's summer if I've ever heard of it before. Hey, guess what? It's all on you, homeboy, and I'm with you, and it's going to happen. That's an incredible blessing that summer. It's outward. Everything's going to be built on this guy named Peter. It's an incredible blessing, an incredible promise, an incredible picture of what summer is. But keep going. Verse 20. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter, the guy that he just said, you're super blessed, I'm going to build everything on you, you're my rock. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Okay, that's your first mistake. Like, you're going to rebuke Jesus? Really, Peter? Really, Peter? This isn't really what you should do. But he thinks he's going to rebuke him. So he says, Jesus, come here. Uh, you must be confused. Um, you're the king. You're here. We've been waiting on you for, mm, I don't know, thousands of years. You're going to die? No. You must be mistaken. Like you, I'm sorry, you're wrong. And so Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. You shall never die. You shall never be taken and have that happen to you. Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned, Jesus, and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. All right, now that, that's like, it's a little harsh, you know what I mean? We went all the way to Satan. We didn't even, we didn't call him like, the, no, we went to Satan. Okay, strong words. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So he just said, Peter, you're the rock. I'm going to build all this on you. And two verses later, he said, Peter, you're Satan. Get the heck up out of here. 
So either Jesus is confused or there's something for us to learn in what Peter just did. Because, see, Peter heard that something bad was going to occur to Jesus. And his immediate reaction was, no, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And what he's really saying is, Jesus, you can't go experience that pain. You can't do that. That's not for you. And Jesus said, you have no idea what my father is doing. And so the danger, if we believe it, the danger that God is less loving whenever we're in those seasons, what can occur is if we believe that, we can try to avoid the pain of what God may be bringing to do something greater than we're going to see. Because if Jesus had avoided the pain that was coming his way through the cross and the crucifixion and the death and the burial and the resurrection, if he had avoided that pain, there would be no hope for any of us. See, God was going to introduce pain into Jesus's life so that he through that could bring life for all of us. And Peter tried to deny it. Peter tried to get him to avoid it. What Peter tried to do is something that all of us have a very strong tendency to do in our lives. And it happens right here. I said at the end of last week that the most important decision you may ever make in your faith journey happens right between summer and fall. Right between, Peter, you're my rock, and get behind me, Satan. Something happens here. A decision that you have to make. A position of your heart that you have to decide. You can choose, if you believe the danger, if you believe that God is less loving, then what the tendency is, is that rather than go down into fall, you come out here, To escape it. Rather than go with God into fall, you come out here and you try to escape it. This is what it really looks like. Turn the page, but leave the one I need down, okay? Another way to view this, this escaping fall, is like this. This in my beautiful artwork, listen, I was an English major, like, I can't draw a stick figure well, so just bear with me, okay? Grace on grace on grace for this guy. Picture this like it's ground. This is ground level. And you're in summer. And so God has given you a shovel, and you get to dig, and you get to grow, and you get to go deeper and deeper and deeper into your faith. And so you could say that if this is all fertile ground, that this is summer. You first dig in in spring. You dig into the fertile soil. It's easy. It's fun. It's exciting. And then you keep digging and you get more of God and you understand him more. And then something happens. That line, that's not a straight line, but it meant, it's meant to be a straight line. Right here, whenever you hit this, it's fall. And what all these little circles are, are rocks. If you're digging and you're going deeper in your faith and you keep digging and it's fertile and it's easy and it's, the shovel's going right through and it's simple, and then all of a sudden you hit rocks and now it's not easy anymore. Whenever your faith isn't easy anymore, you have a decision to make. Because if all you want to do is feel good like it's summer, then rather than digging into the rocks, you're going to come up here 
And all you're going to do is try to find some false sense of what's going to make you feel good again in some other fertile ground. And so whenever your faith gets difficult and it's not easy, you're going to go find whatever is easy. And you're going to go find the next girl. And you're going to go find the next boy. And you're going to go find the next job. And you're going to go find the next book. And something's going to speak your identity into you. And rather than growing and maturing in your faith, you're just going to escape what God may want to do in your life on this false journey of finding whatever makes you happy. But the truth is, you're never going to be happy unless you have Jesus. Because he is the only source of love and joy and peace you will ever find in this world. And so all of you have a decision to make whenever you get here. Because you have spring, and then you have summer, and then it gets difficult, and it's called fall. And you can escape it, if you believe the danger, or you can dig into the rocks called winter. And see, whenever you do that, what you're doing is you're embracing a truth. Remember that. That instead of escaping fall, you say, all right, God, this sucks. (laughs) Let's just call it what it is. This is awful. But rather than believe the lie that you're less loving because I'm going into this, I'm going to know the truth that your kindness is what moves me through the seasons. God loves you so much that he saves you exactly as he finds you. If you've never accepted Jesus, if you've never committed your life to following him, and you're in here tonight, there's nothing you have to do to receive his love. He loves you exactly as you are. He says, here's spring, go and take it. But the truth is, even though he loves you so much, exactly as he finds you, he loves you too much to leave you as he found you. He wants you to grow up. Jesus had to grow up, and he wants you to do the same. But if you continue to escape what God may want to do in your life and avoid the potential pain, you're never going to grow. You're never going to experience the fullness of life that Jesus offers. You know what this looks like? a 40-year-old that's two years old spiritually. And they keep living their first year of salvation over and over and over and over again. And then the next time that there's some emotional moment in church where they're going to rededicate their life, they go and do it for the 17th time. Instead of having the confidence and the full assurance that when Jesus saves you, your salvation is fixed. You didn't do anything to earn it, and you can't do anything to lose it. When Jesus saves you, he says, you were dead, now you're alive, and it's all because of me, and it's fixed. It's in heaven. Nothing on this earth can take that away. So when you have the confidence of knowing that, what you start to do is stop, or you stop believing the danger, and you start believing the truth, and it takes you into fall. Because God's kindness Moves us through the seasons. And when you do this, rather than escaping it, you embrace it. If I was shorter, I would write like level, but I'm not going to do that. Instead of escaping fall, you start to embrace it. And you say, okay, God, I know this isn't going to be fun, but I know it's best because I know you want to grow me up. I know that you love me so much, you saved me exactly as you find me, but I know you love me too much to leave me as you found me. He desires to grow you up. He's in the, fully in the business of educating your faith. 
So when you're in summer and things are going well, and then all of a sudden things start to sour, what is it here that you're afraid of? What is it about fall that we're afraid of? See, I would say that we're afraid of pain. We're afraid of failing. We're afraid of losing. We're afraid of of missing out on something. And that fear paralyzes us from the greater life that God would offer. And in order to have that, you have to embrace the seasons. And once you start to do this, you start to figure out what I did. See, I told you that perpetually the same thing would happen whenever I got broken up with by Amber when I was four and by Carmen when I was seven for Daniel Eduato. And for, I'm not bitter. It's cool. And for uh, Isley when I was 12 by Julie and by, uh, for Nick by Danielle. When, and I'm, I'm not bitter. I'm just facts. Um, by Clay from Claire when I was, I mean, this happened over and over and over and over again. And I'm also a little bit weird. Um, I, I prayed for my wife starting when I was 15. Strange. Like, you know, no one does that, right? Guys, we don't do, no, you know, okay, I'm weird. Hopefully you do though. But I started praying for my wife when I was 15. And so I get into this relationship and in high school, I dated this girl. I was the president of FCA. She was the co-president. We were, or vice, she was co-president, whatever. And we ran FCA together. She was a year older than me because I had pull. I had a, right? And, <laughs> and we were like the it couple and everyone's like, oh my gosh, they're going to get married. And we were 16. You don't get married when you're 16. No one knows, like, calm down. But I thought this girl was everything. She was my world. And what I did is that my identity became the fact that I was Claire's boyfriend. I was the good, sweet, athletic Christian guy that was friends with everybody and was Claire's boyfriend. And see, what happened is Claire ended up breaking up with me, and it crushed me. And I went through this cycle of trying to fix it and grab and reach and figure out how to get that back, that feeling of my identity. I told you I broke up with someone one time. It was when God changed my heart, and I realized I needed to start being obedient to him more than being obedient to my desire. And so he started to change my heart, and I actually broke up with Claire. One of the hardest things I'd ever done in my life. I was 17 years old. She was about to go off to college, and I had one more year in high school, and I ended it. Hardest things I've ever done. And God started to work on me continuously, and over the next three years, I didn't date anybody. I probably wanted to, but I didn't. And then I get to 21, and I'm more mature now. God's grown me up. I've gone through a little bit of this. He brought me here. He made things die. And I went back into spring and summer, and then I start dating another girl. And she was fine. Her name was Sherry Brooke. And I remember on our first date, I sat in. It's cool. If my wife listens to this, she knows. Like, it's not, this isn't, like, weird, because full disclosure. I remember sitting in a room with her. We were sitting in like a concert, and I, and I looked around because I was an idiot, and this is what guys do sometimes because we're idiots. And I was like, hmm, I'm with the hottest girl in the room right now. <laughs> That's right. Like so dumb, so dumb. So we date for like three months, which is forever, right? Hard pass. But in my head, it was forever because I would get so emotionally invested and involved so fast because I wanted to feel some sense of fulfillment from this girl that I dated, from the reciprocation that she liked me back. And then we broke up. No, sorry. Then she broke up with me. And what happened? Did I learn from the last time? Or did I go right back into the depressed state of trying to be just being an embarrassment again? Ding, 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 ding. 
embarrassment. I, like, I've gone back to my friends and been like, listen, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Nine years ago. And so I would lose myself in this depression because this girl broke up with me. And I would continue to just wallow in this and then finally come out of it. And what I would do, though, is I would just find the next girl who would date me. You'd think I would have learned over the course of four years. Apparently not that much. And so I get to Costa Rica, and I meet this girl named Larson, and I think she's awesome. And we start to get to know each other, and then we get back from Costa Rica, and we studied abroad, and we're in Athens, and we continue to date. We've been dating for about seven months. And I start to think to myself, maybe she could be my wife. I'm 22. I just graduated college. Maybe that... Maybe it's her. I've been so patiently anxious for so many years, which is not like that, that shouldn't even exist. But that's what I would say I was. I was just impatient. And I would wait on her, and now she's finally here, and now this desire for a wife finally has a face and it has a name, and it's Larson. And then she broke up with me. <laughs> oh, oh, it's the worst. And what did I do? Did I learn from the previous one or did I go back into being sad panda embarrassment? Ding, 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 ding. Super embarrassing. I was depressed. I was lost. My emotions were out of whack. And what I want you to understand is God continued in his kindness to give me these opportunities of showing himself to me and wanting to grow me up saying, Matt, you I want you to get it, son. I love you so much. I saved you exactly as I found you. You didn't have to do anything for me to love you. But Matthew, I love you too much to leave you as I found you on that day. I want you to have the fullness of life within me. But Matt, something is cursed within you. And it's killing you. Matt, you want a wife more than you want me. And that's idolatry. And it's a sin. And I don't want you to sin. I would rather give you the pain of crucifying that within you than allow you to live with the pain of that curse. This is why I keep letting it happen. I want you to learn. I want you to see it. For the first time in my life, I stopped trying to escape what God was doing in my world. And I embraced it. And I let him teach me, and I let him grow me, and I let him mold me. And I understood that even if it's painful, and it's hard, and it's difficult, and it's cold, God is not less loving. God is even more loving because he's willing to take me through it. I wouldn't be here and who I am today if I'd have continued in that pattern. There's no way I'd be here doing this, speaking to you, telling you about Jesus, and the fact that he loves you. And it's because of his loving kindness that he moves you through the seasons. And so what happened is I started to realize God is my portion, not a wife. If I lost everything and only had God, I'd be okay. Now I have a wife, and her name is Larson. Not by my doing. I thought I never talked to her again. But in God's kindness, for whatever reason, in my story, not that it's yours, in my story... He ended up bringing us back together about six months after we broke up. And now we're married and we have three kids and he's writing a beautiful story within our family. None of it would have happened had I not embraced fall and winter. Had I not said, God, I want to grow up. 
I'm tired of acting in the same way I did when I was 17. I want to be a man. And that's the offer that you have. But you want to know why God does that? He does it because of his kindness. But here's how we know that it's because of his kindness. Because he did it. See, the only reason why you can ever find spring is because of Jesus. This is the only reason you can ever have this, is Jesus. Because God loves you so much that he sent his son to earth to die for you. See, Jesus went through the seasons. Jesus went through spring and summer, and then he went through fall. Because he had friends. (laughs) His relationship soured. He had 12 friends, his disciples, his apostles, his homeboys that he hung out with all the time and he just had dinner with the night before. And then six hours, three to six hours later, one of the people that was at dinner with him, that he washed his feet, that he loved on him with, betrayed him and gave him up. The relationship soured. Things started to get bad. And they arrested Jesus. And they took him before the high priest and they took him before the governor and they took him before this court and they found him guilty. And then they end up leading him into this place standing in front of 600 of the Roman guards and they beat him with a whip many times. They scourged him is the word used in mine in my Bible. And he went through that pain, the pain of, of finding fall. He embraced it rather than escape it. You see, in the garden, he had a moment. He had a moment where he wanted to escape it. He said, God, if there's any way, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. I'm willing to embrace this pain because of the greater good of what you're going to do through it. So, Peter, don't try to stop this of what God's going to do. Because if you do, you're just like Satan who wants to steal and kill and destroy the good that God wants to do in your life. And he could have never done it had it actually not happened with Jesus. So Jesus went through fall and then he went into winter because he was nailed to a cross and crucified and he died. The son of God, man in God form, died. And when he did, he found winter because things go to winter to die. So if you want to know why we have hope, of Jesus. Because the good news and the gospel, if you've never heard it, is that Jesus didn't stay in winter. He didn't stay in that grave. He didn't stay dead. Jesus rose again. Jesus defeated death, stole the keys from death, and resurrected himself back to life. And he says, here's what I want you to know. I went through all that for you. You're all cursed. Every one of us, because we're born human. We're born into this world. We're born into sin. We're born into death, far from God, separated from the creator that loves us. Because of our sin, we can't be in his presence. And so Jesus said, here's what I'll do. I'll come to earth. I'll live a perfect life. I'll become a sacrifice. And all the curse that they have, you can put it on me, and I'll become their curse, and I'll take their death. So that if they physically die, if they believe in me, they will never eternally die. Because when you stand before God and you're being judged for everything you've done in life, instead of God sitting there saying, you did this and this and this and this and this, and you are filled with sin, you far, far be it from me. 
You can't be in my presence. Instead of that happening, when you trust and you believe in Jesus, he says, no, heaven is theirs because rather than looking at you, they look at him. God looks straight at Jesus instead of looking at you and he says, all I see is Jesus and Jesus is perfect and Jesus is clean and Jesus is hope. So if you feel like you are lost tonight, there's hope. There is life. There is heaven right now that you can find and it's in Jesus. And if you've experienced a sense of the colder seasons, the hard reality is that for a lot of you, it might just be your emotional immaturity. You might be bringing yourself here with really dumb, bad decisions, with immaturity. But there are some of you in this room that you followed Jesus. You've given your life to Jesus. You've believed in him. You've trusted in him. You know he's the son of God. And you put all your faith in him. And God's bringing you through these seasons. Out of his kindness, God moves us through the seasons because of his kindness. And as he's doing this, what you need to know is there's hope. Spring is on the horizon. Jesus didn't stay in winter forever. Lamentations 3 says, if he brings grief, he will surely bring compassion. The dawn will come. It will not stay winter forever. So have hope in Jesus, in his kindness. But if you come in this place tonight and you've never trusted Jesus, there's hope. And there's life. But you're never going to find it unless you have Jesus. Without Jesus, you're going to stay in winter forever, spiritually. Things go to winter to die. And you're going to die eternally without him. Because only he could get back to spring. Only he can create life. Only he can breathe new into you and breathe life into your bones. <laughs> so he is our hope. All of us are in one of those three groups. Maybe you're in spring and summer. I hope you are. And if you are, it's about to be Thanksgiving. That's a big reason to be thankful. Because God's given you life and he's taking you there. But some of you need to start embracing the colder seasons. And some of you in this place, you need to embrace Jesus. So I don't know where you walked into this place tonight. I don't know where your spiritual heart is, where your stance is. But I know that some of you are far from God. And maybe you walked in here never hearing the truth of the gospel before. That God is kind and that he loves you, that he's for you, that he desires you. And that all you have to do is believe in him. There's, there's nothing you can go do to get clean and then come to God. You come to God, and he'll make you clean. It's called grace, and it's yours. And it's yours because of the work of Jesus. So, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus, to respond to that offer. For some of you in this room to say, you know what, I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of trying to find my identity and, and finding some guy or some girl or in some job or some dream or some, some house or some place or some future, some money. Father, I'm never, I'm never going to find any of that unless I find myself in you because he's the one that created you. The world can never tell you who you are because the world didn't create you. God did, and he wants to tell you who you are. All you have to do is say, God, I'm a sinner. <laughs> I can't do this on my own, Jesus I need you. So what we're going to do is go into a moment 
a moment of reflection, but really a moment to, a moment to respond. So what I'm going to ask as the band comes up and, and, and kind of gets ready for the next moment is that, is that everyone in here would bow their heads. Everybody. Even if out of respect for the person next to you. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. Because see, the truth is we don't, we don't have to be stuck in winter. We don't have to be stuck in the bad seasons of life. We don't have to be stuck in the searching and the wanting and the wondering. We can choose life. We can choose hope by choosing Jesus. And it doesn't matter your knowledge of Jesus. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter what you did an hour ago. All that matters is that right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you inviting you in, knocking on the door, saying, all you got to do is open it. I'm going to do the work. Stop trying so hard and let me help. Let me give you life. It's the easiest decision you'll ever make because none of it revolves and depends upon you. It's also the biggest decision you'll ever make because your eternity hangs in the balance of it. Without Jesus, we have no hope, but we have all the hope in the world because of Jesus. And he wants to bring you into spring. For the very first time, he wants to do that. So what I want to offer is, it's a chance for you to respond to that truth, to the offer of Jesus, to the life that he wants to give. So with every head bowed in this room, if that's you right now, you feel it in your chest and you can't avoid this, don't. I'm going to lead us through a prayer. I'm going to lead you through a prayer. But know that these words don't make you saved. It's not some magical prayer, some magical word. It's Jesus that saves you. So I'm going to say the prayer, and I'm going to ask that you would just repeat this in your heart. Mean this with all of your being, all of your soul, and beg God to save you. So I'll pray, and you follow right after me in your heart. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I've been trying so hard to figure this out and to find life and purpose and identity, but I can't do it anymore. God, I'm asking you to save me. I know that without you, Jesus, I have nothing. I'm stuck in winter. So I'm begging you to bring me into spring to save my soul, to cover my sin because I put my faith in you. I believe in you. I put my trust in you. Save me, Jesus. Thank you for your son. In Jesus' name.